Hey, Printessers, welcome back to another episode of Printavo Printessers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got Mr. Stephen Farrig out of Campus Inc. down in Champaign holding it down. And our very special guest. What's your title, Ryan? Well, Mr. Ryan Kasperian, thank you so much for joining us. Print Lord. We've got the Print Lord, Ryan Kasperian. <laughs> How have you been? I'm doing great. I am at home wearing sweatpants and drinking coffee. I could not complain. Mm, what kind? Cold brew? I have Black Rifles Flying Elk. Black Rifle. Have you uh, have you worked with them before? I have not. I was at um, Bass Pro Shops and I saw the coffee. It was like, you know what? I'm going to buy this. And it was delicious. We just interviewed them. Um, they, they have run a pretty big shop. Yeah. In Utah? Uh, I think we're – I'm talking about Black Rifle Coffee. I know. Black Rifle they run a Coffee shop? runs a pretty huge merch shop in Utah. I didn't know they run – We just interviewed them last week if you, you know, maybe were listening <laughs> to our podcast to prep for this. Like, hey, maybe I'll listen Caught. to some other ones. I know you guys. I don't need to listen to them. I'm just kidding. So they actually run, run their own shop. Yeah, they, they do a lot they of do merch, a disturbing a amount of so merch. much merch that they now work with a third party logistics company just to ship. Got to look into that after this. That is awesome. Thanks yeah. for doing. I mean, your they homework. have they have like <laughs> they have like 200 designs that they run at the same time. Crazy, but they're good at forecasting and like pretty interesting. It was a really interesting call. You can listen to it. We'll send you the link, Ryan. <laughs> I'll find it. Ryan, how's retirement? Uh, it's definitely not retirement, but it's off and on, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, like managing shops, it's just every day, it's just chaos. Now it's chaos for about three to four weeks, and then I get to chill out for three to four weeks, which is kind of nice. Cool. So for those that don't know Ryan, Ryan, you get like 30 seconds to tell us about your life. Go for it. It's almost over. um no i'm just kidding i wanted to start it off really light Uh, i've been printing for since 97 what is that 23 years 24 years um started on a manual started pretty rough hectic had a very terrible instructor um did not learn very well in the late 90s and decided to go to a giant shop with automatic presses Learned from a very old Macedonian man. He taught me everything I need to know. And I developed some very good management skills over that time. Uh, worked my way up to larger shop, larger shop, larger shop. Um, finally got to get hired in 2016 from a company in Boulder to come out and uh, work and manage their shop. Um, while I was out here in Boulder, you know, Danny and Will at Denver Print House heard that I was out here, hit me up. Um, made me an offer, went down the Denver print house, um, kicked ass through the pandemic, kept that shop alive, uh, hit a, a milestone in my life, you know, turning 40 and deciding, you know what, I want to share that 20 years with a lot of good friends, good people, good printers, uh, really good shops. And I, I made a shift that I, I want to credit, uh, Marcotte, you know, talking to Matt really kind of helped. He helped me. He helped push me off the ledge, which was which was great. Um, 
because I've always I've always been consulting without charging anyone. Like I've always been talking to shops, always been helping everybody out. It was really important to me to spread the wealth. Um, I hate that that old school hold my cards close to my chest. I'm not a big fan of that. That's why you know that's why the industry is so. On, everyone's on different levels. Everyone's on different planes. I'm not a big fan of that. I think that technology, innovation, um, progressions, all that should be shared equally so that the entire industry can stand up higher on a platform instead of being so, so just, I don't know, not equal. Not that I'm preaching equal anything, but um, it was important for me to share uh, running large shops because a lot, what I've experienced in my, my consulting and my past uh, most print shop owners, you know, they maybe they're artists, they're tattoo guys, they're band guys, they're into branding, they're, you know, they, they start a shop, develop uh, a niche maybe with certain clients, they get successful, and then one day they wake up and go, oh shit, I need to run a business. And they don't know how to do any of that, they don't understand the production floor efficiencies, like you could run garments, but are you running them smoothly? <laughs> you know, like that, that smooth is, is efficiencies. Like it should, the order should be processed in and out without anyone remembering it. Like I always preached on my production floors, the best jobs are the ones that we don't even remember that we ran. That means that the system worked completely from, from top to bottom. Um, I just, I, I love meeting new shops, meeting new people. Um, and that's what I'm currently doing. Now I'm talking to you guys. I'm going to enjoy my winter here at home. Wait, um, were, were you in Chicago? I was at Culture Studio. Is that where you started your small shop too? No. Oh. Okay. No, I was born and raised north northwest Indiana. Um, I moved to Chicago primarily to play in bands. Uh, but, you know, I worked at Culture Studio. Uh cut my chops you know that's i like to think that that's screen printer boot camp for sure um that shop will it'll test you as an operator <laughs> it'll test your patience for sure yeah that's a big um, shop i mean they i um, learned a lot from joey i want to give joey santo a, you know a shout out that dude he knows his shit and he's a great trainer and a great teacher um gotta, that's you know how i how yeah, Joey's great. He knows so much and says so little, which is that means a lot to me. You know, like at, I learned a lot of management stuff from him too. Like we we're we're roughly the same age. Like that was that was what was eye opening was I was watching someone run parallel, but he was on a completely different level. The way he thought, the way he processed, you know, the production floor itself. I came into that shop as an operator looking to my left and seeing thirty thousand shirts stacked up and going oh, fuck, like this is going to be the craziest day that I've ever had. And he's running around cool as a cucumber because he's thinking about the next 300,000 garments that are coming through the building. And yeah. I, I learned like to stop stop being in that moment. Stop stop like thinking about, oh, shit, right now sucks. Oh, shit, oh, shit, that I need to forecast. I need to be ahead. I need to think ahead. And that helps with planning because then what you're doing with right now is is planned. It's, it's firing on all cylinders. Um, and that's when I, I started diving into a lot of that. And then, like working with with Matt. Matt was at uh, TNJ when I was there, and I learned a lot of the some of the you know the industry stuff from Matt, uh, which was good talking to him. Uh, we always joked that you know he would come into that shop 
to talk to talk to the upper management. And he would just walk straight to my press. <laughs> he would just talk to me, see what we needed, what we wanted, which was great. The, those guys saw that and they, you know, elevated me to, you know, hanging out with the second shift, making sure they're good. So Ryan, when you left um, Denver, how big, how big, you know, just for scale, right? All water-based, yep. right? Um, how big, uh, how big of a shop is that? So, so listeners can kind of get some four some- autos, um, 38,000 square feet, I think. And they're a pretty uh, well employees. business. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's is that because maybe Danny. I mean, it's just, just been such a contributor yeah, so, to the industry. Yeah, Danny. Danny built that thing. Um, he ended up. He, he sold it uh, four years ago, five years ago, maybe, um, to a company called Casafel. They develop and manufacture recycled shirts out of plastic bottles. Um, which was a huge plus, you know, running a shop that has 300,000 garments in a warehouse on call whenever I want, whenever I need is, is I was spoiled. <laughs> oh, we messed up 20 shirts. So I'll go, I'll go grab them. Like that was, gotcha. that was, I was so, I was so spoiled with that. Um, so, but yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Go sorry, ahead. sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, no, Danny no. built that, Danny built that up. He did a lot of hard work. Uh, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, like he was on the forefront of trying to develop new styles, new printing techniques. Um, he worked really hard. I don't want to talk too much about him. Um, he worked really hard with rock, you know, and turning that shop into, you know, a show shop for a reason. And it was, it was incredibly hard. Like everyone looks at that and they're like, Oh, you guys probably don't run anything, you know, cause the floors are spotless and the presses are super clean. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely false. We ran balls to the wall at all times. And my, my task, I had to figure out, all right, we have a, we have two shops getting a tour this week. How does the shop look while we're trying to run 26,000 garments that are due tomorrow and have everything spotless and presentable in a way that, you know, when Ryan Moore is walking around when the heads of, you know, the rock sales teams walking around and these new shops are walking around and they're giving pitches on the floor how can I run a shop that way? Like you want to talk, I, was, I tell some of the shops that I consult, you want to talk about being under the gun like that, making sure that at any given moment when someone walks in, that that floor is spotless and running is incredibly difficult to do. What do you, what do you feel like? So as Ryan, a, oh, sorry, go ahead, Steve. I'm talking over you. I was just going to say, so you're like an extra in all of Ryan Moore's music videos, basically. False. <laughs> <laughs> Backup leads here or what? Uh, a dancer professionally. <laughs> what do you what do you what do you feel like were the couple of the big things that you picked up from working at a shop like that then? Um scheduling. You know, like scheduling was a little more unique because of the, the tours. Um and trying new so like shops like Culture Studio, like the, the giant contract shops, they just run balls to the wall. Um Denver Printhouse, like we had to kind of like we had to install a rock hybrid and we had to press down. And so I had to take a four auto shop worth of volume and schedule it for three autos. And so we were discussing, you know, split shifts, multiple shifts, um, cascading everyone's hours. So we were open, we tried being open seven days and scheduling, you know, people on for, for five days, but they were doing like three days on and then a day off and then two days. On. It was just, it was scheduling boot camp, and I had to test my skills. And you know, we developed a really good process there before I left. 
uh, for sure. You know, like the floor was was hauling ass before I left. I think that's why I, I felt comfortable about putting in my letter of resignation. Um, but what do you like? Just because I. But what 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 do you feel like more specifically? Like, were there some best practices or, or, or things that you took that you could apply to others, or or oh, so some that that specific? does that does touch on the scheduling. So I scheduled the press maintenance and I scheduled the cleaning, you know, like a job. Um, I, I tell a lot of shops too, you know, like I like to have a maintenance cart. Um, it has all the grease guns, all the tools, the, the manuals, any kind of spreadsheet that you got to sign off on the tool cart gets scheduled like a job. So you got like three carts of shirts and then the tool cart. And when you, as a printer, you're in your day, you keep turning around, grabbing carts, doing setups, running, and then you turn around and go, oh, shit, there's no cart. There's my setup cart. That that triggers you to – you have to do setup right then and there um, without me talking to you, without me having to you know go find all the stuff and bring it all to the press. I just – I created – like it, it was a more efficient way for them just to do it and get it done in the middle of the day, in the moment. I scheduled accordingly. So they would like say they were running jobs for that were due in three or four days. Once they hit that and they're doing jobs that are due next week, they start doing the maintenance. Um, and then cleaning, you know, like I killed the entire production floor um, at least an hour a week and the entire staff clean, um, all hands on deck. Everyone everyone knew to make sure that their apartments were, were nice and cleaned when, up. When did you do that, Ryan? How, what, when during uh, depend- the week did you, yeah, when was it, that one hour of cleaning? It de- yeah, it depended on the schedule. Um, I like doing Wednesdays because it's, you know, kind of right in the middle of it. Um, Fridays are a little bit too hectic. Mondays, everyone's slow as hell. Um, I like the, the meat right in the middle, the, the Wednesday afternoon clean. Um, and like when I say clean, I don't mean like, you know, put stuff in a garbage can that should be getting done always. Cleaning means like people are are pulling the chambers out of the dryer, cleaning the vents and all the presses, wiping everything down. Um, and so I, I schedule that, uh, kind of based on our schedule. Gotcha. So you have then, since your retirement from running a shop, you have been traveling the United States in your um, RV or bus. And I'm just kidding. You probably <laughs> My should, car. You, prob- you should probably get one. That'd be pretty funny. Um, you should do like uh, like the pro- the show like Profit or whatever, and just bust into shops. That would be really funny. Yeah. Um, but how many shops have you visited and worked since you've uh, since you took the plunge? I had that list pulled up. I am physically in, I have done 16 shops physically and 21 shops via uh, Zoom and calls. Dude, that's and really so cool. You, ca- you came to and my less, shop. Less than a year. You came to my come to your shop. shop. What, what, you what, then what went you to Andy's with? shop. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> came to my shop to then go to Andy's shop. Um, all right. Take my shop and take Andy's. Compare. What Battle were we both Royale? really bad at? Because me and Andy called each other after and were real sad, Ryan, because you told us what we <laughs> needed to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's you need it. You need the punch in the gut sometimes. Um, I first want to start the answer with comparison is the death of joy. So there's that. There's no comparison, Stephen. You know this. Mm-hmm. Well, but he's I, I just, I just, though. he's competitive though. Right? I, so. I just want to be like, I want to be like Andy. And you know what? Like Andy and Dylan, there's some competition. There's shirt show one, shirt show two. They've got their own thing. 
What did you what did what did you focus on with us versus turning gears and going to St. Louis and, and working with them? And um, what it was, was the relatively. Wait, what was the band aid rip? This sounds like there was a band aid moment here. Um, it, it wasn't too crazy. Uh, I'm not going to dive into details. You know, doctor patient confidentiality. There's no um, HIPAA here. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, like the training for management is is difficult. Your best screen printers don't make best managers. That is absolutely true. Um, when I, when I hear everyone say that on podcasts. Absolutely true. I've seen it fail a million times. I thought I was going to fail. I thought I was going to be a bad manager, <laughs> just because I just because I could run like crazy and print everything you throw at me doesn't mean I know how to manage people. Um, but you know, Stephen had some you know hierarchy issues. You know, I think that there was a person on his staff that needed to be elevated um, for sure, and someone that I didn't know would necessarily you know, be able to handle the growth as well as the entire, like say the staff doubles in size, the individual that was running the floor, I don't know that would have been able to handle that. Um, so we discussed a lot of that stuff. I think Steve made a good move. Um, I did want to check in with you. We could do that at a later time, you know, to see how, um, I always forget his name, but I call him the Kraken. It's Craigan, right? Craigan. Shout out to Craigan. I call him the Kraken because I kept calling him Craiger. Kreger, I think. Um, so I just started calling him the Kraken, and that, that stuck for me. So I always remember the Kraken. Um, but like someone like that, like I, he had some fire, you know, like he had the spirit. There's there's a lot that comes out of that that spirit and that fire. And Steve, you got someone good on your floor, so you should feel really good about that. I th- I think what's cool is I take Kraken, who walked into our shop five years ago and said, "Are you guys hiring?" Um, and now has become one of our best printers. And, you know, he's he's similar in age to me, and we're trying to refine his management skills no differently than, Ryan, you talk about being on the, den- or on, on the culture floor. Um, it's cool to take someone like Ryan into your shop who kind of, you know, fits the bill of print shop person. Sorry, Ryan. Um, <laughs> no, man, it's, that's a real thing. And for Craigan to say, I want to be like him. And to me, that was really cool because it was career progression where it's like, hey, yeah. hey, Craig, and you started printing when you were 23, you know, and he's like, I, I, you know, I want to be like Marcotte and Ryan and kind of it, it was really cool for that for him to then be like, whoa, I have someone to look up to because I don't know if I'm going to own this place one day, but maybe I could be print shop master extraordinaire ninja Um and it was, it, I think to me, that was one of the most valuable parts was to have someone relatable um, for Craigan. And then, you know, he can hit you up and be like, hey, what's going on with this or that? And there are some tools that you, you know, showed him that now I have to buy. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but it got him excited. The fact that we paid, you know, a decent amount to bring a professional in um, to spend a whole day or two with them. I think is really valuable. And I think you can't discredit that in your shop, right? Like Ryan, you spent the majority of the day in our dark room. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the heart. And, 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 and just went to the, like the heart of it and said, this is what we're going to fix today. And this is, it, it all starts in the dark room, I guess from visiting all these shops, right? What do you think are the top three issues that you see across the board? And you, you know, you visit a fair bit of them. So give it to us. Myth- all right, mismanagement, training, experience. Okay, we're gonna break those. So down. let's 
mismanagement training experience. For people listening to this right now, everyone's going to be like, yeah, I suck at all of those. <laughs> okay. Everyone needs to work on all of those. Where? Okay, let's talk mismanagement. Owner to employee, employee to other employees, what do you see? Generally, uh, middle management, you're like, usually there's someone in charge of running a production floor. Um, one, they probably don't get the support that they need from the owner. Support being training as a manager themselves. Like, I, I was lucky enough to go take HR training, work with Chris Besh at Culture Works, and have you know a management training um, paid for by the company I was working for, which was which was great. Um, and like with the mismanagement, there's there's a certain thing to be said about people blowing a gasket on a production floor. You have to control your emotions. It's incredibly important to make sure that you, as the leader, set the tone. Or, okay, so let's let's break down mismanagement. Oh, oh my gosh, I got put that I got in place. Like, oh yeah, there we go. I, I gave go. him the Alice Cooper eyes. I gave him the Mike Tyson. Um, so mismanagement from the owner. So sh- should I'm going to make a statement? Should an owner be running the production floor on a day to day basis? No. If you have two autos. No. If you if owners are driving the car, why are they in the back seat? Okay. Should an owner be running the production floor if they have one auto? How many employees? Six? I don't know. Six, seven? Yeah, that's probably the, the tipping point. Okay. So once you break out of one auto or you get, what, 10 employees? Yeah, because then you, you you stop really managing the production because there's too much to focus on. You start managing you know, a larger staff and then other departments. Um, I, I don't like when owners interject with the production side of things because there are professionals out there that know how to run a production floor. And I was, I was always graced with the ability to have owners that go run this for me. Like Mitch at AOV, Will at Denver Printhouse, they literally hired me in and said, run this place, <laughs> which okay, was great. So, Cause then I was, I was free to do it. So, Owners being too involved in production, I think cripples cripples the business sometimes. Yeah, you ever put your finger in a fan? It stops the fan and it hurts your finger. <laughs> Stop doing it. But Ryan, a real production manager, might cost fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollars. We can't afford that. Now what? If you're bringing in someone of that pay grade and that salary, the efficiency of your floor should justify that payroll for sure or that payroll, that salary. And should they be a print expert? Not necessarily. I mean, especially now with like with the autos, you want to have some basic skills for sure. You know, like you don't have to dial in your EOM and understand the whole nuance of exposures and I don't think you need to be super deep, um, but you have to be really good at time management. That's super crucial. Um, you have to understand that there, I like to think that it's a, it's a 50-50 game. There's half of its people, half of its print. So as much as you focus on how do I run this job and how, what's the, the print sequence and what's the best ink for this, you also have to focus on like how is this person doing? 
Are they paid enough? Have I challenged them enough? Do they know enough? Do they have access to the resources that they need to become a better employee? Am I training them properly? Am I good at management? You know, like it's it's split. And I think everyone focuses on the print side of it. And then they freak out when the staff's a disaster. It's got to be equal. It's got to be half and half. Interesting. So if you were interviewing a production manager, what are the top three skills you're looking for? I want, well, I want to see their personality and mannerisms. So that's, that's one, you know, I want to analyze them as a human. I want to see their communication skills back and forth and then what their skill set is and what the previous experiences are. One, have you managed a shop before? Are we going to be the guinea pigs? <laughs> you know, I, I did a couple exercises with some operators where I took them off the press and I had them kind of run the floor. For, I took my my lead production artist at Denver Print House and had him run the floor for a couple days. And when I left, he took over. Like, I I always train replacements for a reason. It's not for an, an it's not an exit strategy, but I, I always like to train up every chance that I get. And he was able to pull it off. Like he knew it. He did it. He's, you know, he's a printer for sure, but like, you know, Wait, not what, the best in the world. What was that? What was that management training course that you said that you went through? Uh, it was more, it was more HR. It was more culture uh, works training. Chris best. She did uh, some Ted talks. Um, she's out here in Boulder. Uh, that was five years ago, six years what, and ago. The, and, the, and the owner bought that for you or for everybody? Yeah. So so they they brought her in specifically to work with our company to develop culture. Oh, okay. And in that process, we learned that you do not develop culture. Culture just is. It's just what's in the air, how it feels, how it how it, it's a living, breathing thing in your company. And we learned some things that, you know, some do's and don'ts for sure. Um, but you, you can't necessarily control it. Like the culture is the outcome. Like it's, it's what's after what you, what you set in place. And so we started doing, you know, you know, once a month company meetings, I was doing, you know, team, team building exercises in the morning, once a week. And as we were using the culture tools, it started helping my management and it really started helping the production like crazy. Um, cause at the, at the time we were working with Brooks, uh, the running company, the shoe company and Patagonia, and we had a hundred percent fills and deadlines and it was just really stressed. It was really thick. Um, and we were trying like, we were just discussing what's the best way to, to, to break this, this negative, nasty, stressful cycle. And so we brought in the culture works training, um, and it opened our eyes up. You know, we brought in a consultant to help us get through that stuff. So you really focused on like human resources. I mean that that we work so with people. One thing, one thing you're saying that shops are definitely missing the ball on is is the human research resources, is the culture, is the actual training and management. Like whether it's getting away from the shop and taking a class in Sandler training or culture training or whatever that may be, um, that is de- and I and I you know as a small business. Human resources are the first thing a small business owner forgets about um, because they're so stuck in the weeds. Okay, so that was problem number one. Problem number two, you said, was training. How, how from the bottom up, what do you see going wrong in shops? With no training? one's training anyone. No one is training anyone. <laughs> no one's training anyone. And what's unfortunate, some of the biggest shops, like the employees are training themselves. And it's like, 
it's so disorganized and I I'm introducing a lot of training techniques and SOPs and, and bringing in like stuff like trainual where it's accessible to the staff, you know, like they can just search for something on their phone. Um, I made, I made a big pitch. I was like, does anyone know how to use Google? Now you can train to do your own job. You can literally train yourself. Um, I set up trainual at cold cuts in Philadelphia they have that Saudi LTS and we wrote an SOP to have their bell catcher, a salesperson and someone in fulfillment to burn screens on a state of the art laser to screen system. The first SOP that we wrote, the instructions took them 30 minutes to figure it out and we got it down to seven. So they trained themselves to use that LTS in seven minutes based off the SOPs and the, the trainual that I built. So something that we talked about when you were here is like having, you know, obviously writing the SOPs. And I think sometimes people realize they like are scared of writing the SOPs, right? It's tough to write out what your job is. It's tough to write it out, but you have to start somewhere and it can be as simple as a Google Doc or as intense as a QR code printed out on the press so that the press operator operators can scan yeah. something i want to something i want to say real quick on this podcast steve kudos to you for labeling everything we're big labelers. i love i love that shit <laughs> we're big labelers so something that you talked about is making training with me making the training accessible so writing it is one thing but making it accessible and is another how what were ways that you made training accessible Okay, videos, but like take it a a step further. How would an employee access them? Um, So at every station, generally there's a computer. Um, Most companies now are using shared drives. Um, Highly recommend getting into, you know, this decade and start utilizing that. Um, I'm a big fan of iPads or computers at every single station for a reason. Um, I develop spreadsheets and you know, Google Docs, and I started using Trainual, um, even um, Airtable, Trello. All these, all these things can can be really good for typing in something in a search bar. Um, these guys, I set it up to where if you're running a tri blend, you don't know what white to use. You type in tri blend white, and it pulls open a little document of all of our white inks, what they're used for what the cure temp is, what the best squeegee is, all that stuff is documented there. Um, But I was a really big fan of training my phone. Like when I was in a department, I'd grab my cell phone and I would train it like it was an employee. I'm only doing the training once. And so they have access to that video any time they want. If they need to watch that video three or four times, that saves me from having to answer those questions three or four times. Um, And so those videos, like in training, specifically, I make up step one. Step one is to watch the video, and then step two is to go through all the steps to do that that position. So then, I think even one thing you said was like your the the table that you're laying out at the end of the dryer. You had it covered in procedures. Yeah, so there's you can I like the printed ones. Um, so you laminate like your dryer table. Um, there's even cheat sheets. A lot of I've, I've seen it in several other shops. I always did it at mine, but how to count in twelves and sixes. So if you have one stack, it's 12 shirts, and two stacks is 24 shirts, and three stacks is 36. Um, it's just really quick math, and, and I love to kill thinking. 
Um, cause most general humans take a little bit longer to think than you need, than you need them to. Um, I don't want, I don't want bell catches at the end of the day going like, what is 26 stacks of shirts? How many is that? I want them to look at a sheet and be like, boom, that's how many it should be. That's super um, interesting. So literally a table laminated with just tables on how to count, how yes, to fold, and, what boxes to use. Industry know. standards. Right. And we had a we had a Walmart shirt and a Patagonia shirt side by side. Wow. So you talk a lot about like kill the question, right? Kill the question, kill the question, kill the question. Explain that method, like that thought process and why you're so crazy about it. Questions create downtime. Downtime is a money and time suck. So if I can stop I got into killing the question when I when I saw how big Culture Studio was and how long it took me to walk around that building. There is no way in hell I'm having someone at press eight walk all the way up front to get an approval, ask a question. The, the, the steps, the amount of time it takes for you to ask that question is just – it's crazy. When you start factoring in, like an hour, two hours of your week is literally walking and you could run, you know, a thousand garments, like, holy shit. When you start talking about pricing, that is, that is nuts. So I have to make sure that you don't leave your position. I know everyone jokes about me drawing a circle around the press operator uh, for a reason that's training. You know, like you want to stay in that, you should be able to stay in there and operate a machine. That's me getting out of the print industry. Like I need to look at how other industries run. And if you go to giant facilities that have a million CNC machines, those guys stay there generally all day and they're fed. Everything comes to them and they're running a machine. They're keeping it busy and they're keeping it working. Why does the press operator mix his own inks and burn his own screens and walk over here and move his cart there? The press operator should stay at the machine and have everyone support him and feed the machine that generates your company cash. You should start selling like a mouth that like it's like a sticker on a machine that's like, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's, it's funny because everyone, you know, there was this whole craze on how do I get a faster press, right? Faster press. Get a more efficient floor. Right. And really it's like how, yeah. How do, what do you, you mean get a faster more, press? You know, people be like, bring, oh, your, that bring press your index is slow. to zero, your stroke speed to 10. I want to see you load a thousand shirts in a row. What are you talking about no, faster press? No one can do it. Right. <laughs> Not for eight but hours, 40 hours. I, you know, if you were to say, if you were pleased with how many impressions, right? Like how many shirts loaded on a press in an eight hour shift, what would be good? What's a good baseline? Uh, it depends on the setups. You know, like I like to think that that number is just as fluid as your, as your shop. You know, it's going to fluctuate. That's why I base everything off of averages. You know, like when I'm doing a maximum capacity of the floor, I want to look at an average because everyone in the print industry knows that this shift fluctuates like crazy. Um, and so it's really hard to get a good gauge unless you track data. And having, having a lot of, you know, months and months of that kind of really gives you your busy season, your slow season. Um, at DPH, we were doing, I think our average was like 15 setups a day. Average screens were four screens, and we're doing the fifteen hundred impressions uh, per machine. Um, all eight water base, shift. eight hour shift, uh, four machines. But that was with that support system. You know, we had two people on each machine, and then two assistants. So we have press assistants 
And that press assistant is assigned to two different machines. And with water-based printing specifically, they spray water into the screens while they're running. Um, they help us set up some teardowns. So it makes it a little quicker. But 1,500 impressions a day, roughly, right? That's a good, that's a good benchmark. Um, for a high setup if, shop. If for a high setup shop. And I think our shop, you know, I'd, I'd use Campus Inc. As a, as a high setup shop. You know, we're not like doing 5,000 piece runs every day. Our average runs are going to be, you know, 50 to 300 pieces. Um, but 1,500 impressions a day, if you take that over eight hours, you know, that's only a couple hundred shirts an hour. Yeah. Right? I guess that's like. That's real. That's real. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So I guess for a shop listening to this, what are the basic things that they should start? And even if they can't measure them digitally, even on a whiteboard, what are the things that shops should start measuring? Well, you want to look at your daily, your production facility, manage and document what you produced. I I can't believe how many companies or how many print shops on the planet don't know how many garments they ran yesterday, let alone impressions. You you charge per impression how many impressions did your company produce. That's that's what production is. No one tracks that. Um, and you can't manage what you don't track. It's a very real thing. Um, I like to add, I always ask shops like how how many they ran yesterday and they have no idea. Um, but the easiest thing to do, you know, like you have work orders. How many work orders did you complete? Did you, maybe you did half of it? Um, I de- you know, I know um, there's there's other consultants and there's other documents floating around to track your impressions. Um, I have one. I know Marshall has one. Um, I think a couple other companies have impression tracking sheets. And, and how uh, do those you are, define how do you define an impression? Just so that uh, so so like a front. If you have a t-shirt, one t-shirt, you have a front and a back and a sleeve. That's three impressions. Beautiful. Because you're you're doing a setup and you're charging for that setup and you're putting that you're charging for that impression that location to go on the garment, so that one shirt has three impressions on it. So a hundred of those shirts, three hundred impressions. Gotcha. Interesting. So okay, so you said mismanagement training, and the last thing you said was experience. And yeah, if experience. I'm, I'm listening to this, it's like Ryan, how do I get experience in my shop? How, you, you do. Know, you got to try, you got to mess up and you got to, I always let my staff fail for a reason. I, I want, that was, a, I should have said that. I want them to try things out and I want them to experience things. Like I have cross training days where like my bell catchers or there's a little video that I show of uh, Alejandro, my, my QC lead. She was running an auto because the press operator called off. She ran the whole day perfectly fine zero issues because i let her run those machines you know yeah it was kind of lighthearted. we're kind of joking around and making jokes because she was like four foot eight (laughs) and she wasn't able to really reach the end of the palette but you got to let everyone experiment and r&d test and tune got to find time for that you got to build time for that and that's that's that comes with training too the experience comes with with good training I think, you know, shops listening to this should realize like it's that time of the year to hit the reset button. Absolutely, right? dude. This is the perfect time of the year to go, man, we suck at foil. How can we dial in our foil adhesive? <laughs> it's that it's time a real of the thing. year. 
So, so for shops that are about to wind down or winding down during the holidays, um, and they're going into January, which is going to be a slow month, and they know that slow is okay every once in a while. What are the like two or three things if people are making their 2022 goals, right? And these are like, I'm going to focus on this in January. What would be like Ryan's three things you have to get done in January before things get busy? Research and development. Know what you use. Understand your inks. Understand your screens. Spend time talking to guys that are professionals with their screens. Their screens are everything. This is screen printing. Uh, number two, maintenance. I mean, now is a great time to start ripping those dryers apart, start cleaning those things out. Um, filters, greasing the machines. Uh, if you have to move anything around in your shop, winter is a great time to move stuff around. Um, and then, you know, the third and last thing, develop your procedures. If it's, there's, I don't like, I don't like the slow time. That's never a thing. I, I didn't like ever saying that. Um, cause there's, it's not slow. It's just, it changes. It's just now it's the winter. Now we go into, you know, the more of the hibernation mode where we're, you know, resting and we're, we're preparing. Um, yeah, the, nice. the operating procedures are huge. Yeah. And I think something, a recommendation, um, for shops is plan it on the calendar, right? Yeah. Take your leadership team into a room, lock yourselves in and say, guys, we're going to write out as many procedures as we can today. Um, because it's, All right, yeah, go. You, you can do them over time, but it sometimes feels like you, it's a never ending thing. But if you get, everyone, if you get everyone bought into it, and say, like, we're all going to write a procedure. We're all going to write a procedure. Because we go through these ebb and flows where we'll be very procedure-focused, and then we'll go balls to the wall, and then we'll be like, oh, crap, we need more procedures. But January is a perfect time, you know, for, for shops going to the trade show or to Long Beach. Set aside a day where you can get away from the shop and actually write and record videos and, and create procedures. And, Ryan, you're pretty booked out. Um, how booked out are you for the spring? Till March. <laughs> okay. So you're booked out till March and I've got you for a couple of days. So I'm bringing Ryan you back um, because now it's about continuing education, right? And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, I look at it and say, we need to have coaches in here because I'm not the best printer nor am I the best manager, but it, it, it increases the value of our company to know that you have experts in there. And whether it's Marcotte or Ryan or whoever that is, Finding experts and coaches is something that, you know, every shop should be doing, whether they're big or small. If, you know, for shops listening to this, you know, how do they get a hold of you? What, when you decide to engage with a shop, what do they have to know they're going to get into? Like, tell us about your services a little bit. Um, Generally, I like to start with the the one-hour call. You know, you can go to my website, coveredin.inc, I-N-K, not I-N-C. Um, you can schedule a one hour call. We can discuss what you're real, you know, what you're having issues with. Um, I can start developing a plan cause I, I don't like to walk into a shop and just be like, there's so many things to work on. Um, so that one hour call is huge. We kind of discuss some of the issues, what we can do, um, scheduling time. Um, I mean, I, I am getting booked up like crazy cause I'm getting really good results. And it's working. Like that's why that's why I feel so good about what I'm able to do. Is I'm, I'm seeing it happen. I'm seeing it work. 
Um, shout out to ML Screen Printing. Those guys are crushing it now. And Gorilla Joe in Ohio. I work with Gorilla Joe one week every month for six months. And that company is going to break a million dollars for the first time in its history. Just just by beefing up his production floor and, and straightening, you know, their, their thinking was more so on the print side. And I stru- had to structure out the production floor, give them a real manager, train their manager, um, and it started working. Um, but it starts with the conversation, and then I develop reports. Um, so you guys have objectives, you have recommendations, tips and tricks, and any notes that I see. Um, Steve, I believe you got one of those reports. I think I emailed it to you and Justin and Craiger. Yeah, other than that, um, s- scheduling, you know, it's tough because I'm four months out. So scheduling is a little weird, um, but please get a hold of me Long, and we can work on something. Are you going to be in Long Beach, Ryan? I am. I'm cool. actually doing – I'm going to be at Family Industries and then Long Beach, which is going to be great. I got a whole week in L.A. area, which is awesome. That'll be awesome. Cool. Well, Ryan, we really uh, – we appreciate this, and I think this conversation – maybe we'll have to bring Mark out on and have you guys duke it out at some point. Yeah. I love um, that dude because uh, Ryan and and Matt are are kind of our gen- our generation of of experts. Um, not to say anyone else isn't you know as good or not, but cool to to start to hear from y'all and 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 all the help you've been able to offer us personally and the industry. I think it's super cool. If you don't follow Ryan on Instagram, covered in ink, you also run the Print Legion, right? Yep. Cool. Um, and you know he's pretty easy to get a hold of. Right. So (laughs) no, no, he's not easy to get a hold of. Um, but this is super awesome. And, uh, again, super thankful for you to be on today. And, uh, I'm sure shops listening to this will get a ton out of it. So thank you. Thank you. Bye Bruce. Bruce, uh, Bruce, uh, you know what? This is great. This is good. We don't need Bruce today here. Uh, all right, print hustlers. Um, Bye, guys. It was great to talk to you. We'll talk to you on the next episode of your Printavo Print Hustlers podcast. Woo! Um, <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Bruce's internet's bad, and he got cut off. So, um, from uh, Printavo Print Hustler podcast, we will talk to y'all next week. Have a good one. <laughs>